development models, also the essence of what the decadal plan speaks to, and um, you know perhaps also how budget coordination um, can then really assist in how we uh, integrate science and innovation um, into the work that the district development model seeks to do. Um, I think those two particular elements of, well, the, this particular element of the decadal plan of saying we want to integrate um, science and innovation into various spheres of government, not into various departments, but into the into to, to the to the three spheres of governance into our municipalities, strengthening our municipalities to use innovation in order to um, uh, address service delivery challenges um, is 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 also at the essence of the decadal plan, which for me ties in strongly with what the the district development model seeks to do. Um, and so I, I often find great synergies between the two, and we really look forward to hearing. Um, I think the last time we met with the department, Shanaz, if I'm not mistaken, to get a briefing, um, particularly on, on, on this was in, on the 7th of September, 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Um, of course, we've had you know, multiple conversations as we've received the performance uh, plans of the department. Um, but uh, today we wanted to zoom in a bit more into it. And I, I don't know, um, Mr. Morfa might be really jumping the gun here, but um, even in relation to um, planning that may, that may take place in the, or the recovery plans coming out of uh, um, the floods in... Um, in uh, KZN, Northwest and Eastern Cape. And, you know, whether or not, I think my question rather is whether or not the, the, the role of, um, because I think as we, as we recover, we, we really ought to use the district development model to assist us, right, uh, in doing things better. Um, and how we recover in those particular municipalities that have been affected. And I think they, they, the role of the DSI then becomes really important also, I think, in sustainable planning, um, using innovation to address various uh, infrastructural challenges and service delivery um, challenges that we need to address around infrastructure, uh, around sustainable um, planning, I mean, of our communities, of our settlements, right? Um, to make sure that they are durable um, to all sorts of um, disasters that may 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 reoccur. So um, I, I I don't know if I if my thinking is you know in line <laughs> or I'm trying to merge these elements a bit too much, but I think they do come together, and it would be really interesting to also hear. Um, ideas and plans that the department has in relation to some of these matters. So I'd like to then hand over to yourselves, colleagues. It's uh, six six minutes past nine. And uh, I know, <clears throat> I hope, uh, well, I know some of us had fun, Honorable Itzie, um last night uh, as we were hosted by the NRF um, as they, they celebrated their A and P rated scientists and they had another a number of um, acknowledgements that they made. But um, the truth is, Dr. Mwafe, we still have a lot of work to do 
in terms of transforming um, science and innovation in South Africa. The awardees um, still did not reflect the demographics of South Africa. Um, and I think uh, colleagues, those of us who went to the midterm review, those colleagues who read through the reports that were sent from uh, the content team, Renee, our, our location as a committee right now in 2022, in terms of our focus on transformation in the sector is not misplaced. Uh, it, we're well within our uh, I don't know, rights and thinking to stress the importance of transformation in science and innovation. And yesterday and seeing the awardees of your A and P rated scientists, um, was testament to the fact that the work that the portfolio committee is driving right now, Honorable Borshoff, whether it's innovation for transformation or transformation for relevant or uh, impactful innovation, I don't know, we'll continue to have those discussions, but ultimately the need for transformation in our sector is absolutely important. Um, so, so yeah, that, 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 you know, really yesterday, those awards were, were a reminder of the importance of, of of, of the key areas of interest that this portfolio committee is driving right now. Uh, over to you, Mr. Morfin. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson, and a very good morning to all honorable members and to, to my colleagues from the department who have joined me. Uh, just just uh, one, uh, maybe two issues that you have raised, Chairperson, which I think is very important. The one relates to the role of this work on the DDM in, for example, dealing with the responses to various challenges. And in this instance, we make reference to the issue of flooding in both KwaZulu-Natal and the Eastern Cape. Uh, I need to indicate here that we, we have provided um, some, and we have offered a number of possible solutions to the challenges that were being uh, Faced and in some instances, we were actually approached by the um, province or the municipalities themselves. And indeed, we were able to really use uh, various forms of innovation and technologies to assist uh, in the flooding, ranging from the use of satellite imagery to try and map the extent of damage and where the damage was, and perhaps. Uh, through the CSR app, also looking at um, how some of the infrastructure can actually be um, uh, repaired over time. But I think the challenge uh, continues to be much greater. And one of the things that we're going to reflect to here on do the presentation on the district development model is what we actually do per district in order to have a sense of the capacity that exists in that municipality. And then I think. Uh, it will actually highlight how on the basis of that information and knowledge, we can actually uh, now look at e e establishing or implementing initiatives under the DDM that deals with localized challenges. Uh, so, so that's really just the response very briefly to the issue that you have raised. Yes, we have been available and uh, providing um, various assistance and also offering some, but for some reason, some of them couldn't be taken also because of capacity issues at municipal level. Um, now on the question of uh, transformation, I can't agree more, Chair, we need to do that. And I think the challenge is much broader than 
uh, just what the department can do, but looking at how do we actually make careers in academia exciting as opposed to other opportunities out there. And I think the initiatives uh, through our sister department, such as the NGAP, which is looking at focusing on developing the new generation of academics, is gonna come in handy. Uh, we need to make sure that um, on the basis, for example, of some of the black texts that uh, the bulk of the young black uh, professionals need to pay, they need to find it uh, not as a burden to be in academia because they need to rush to uh, make a difference uh, in their families. Uh, whereas when you look at the career in academia, it's quite um, involving from having to move into uh, being a lecturer and growing and so on and so forth. So we, 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 we're hoping that these initiatives such as NGAPs and others, uh, you know, the, the NRF itself has got a number of initiatives that are mainly focused on um, uh, supporting young and emerging scientists. Um, and the, 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 this we hope that uh, they also are going to add to that. But yes, I agree with with you, uh, Chairperson, we, we have a long way to go and, and uh, we will definitely um, uh, go there. And hopefully as the CEO of the NRF said, uh, that we'll do so sooner. Uh, now, starting at the presentation, uh, Chairperson, I hope that, um, uh, is it gonna be projected from that side uh, or am I supposed to do the projection? Will we be able to help colleagues or? No, I, my, my screen is recording. So um, if you can do it from that side, because I can't minimize. Okay. Okay, let me try and do that. Uh, apologies, I'm just trying to, I don't, okay, yeah, it's just, Um, can you see the presentation, Chairperson? Yes, we can. Okay, th th thanks very much. So I'm, I'm gonna start, uh, and as you have correctly said, Chairperson, we, we did present um, the initial phases of this, uh, uh, sometimes I think it was last year. And what we're trying to do today is mainly just to uh, update you on the progress. But I just thought it would be prudent for me to just take you through a little bit of background just to, re, to try and, and reflect on where we're coming from. Uh, so this presentation will basically be um, 
Okay, I'm trying to, yeah. It, it will basically be uh, providing an update. Um, what we have started to move into is what we call the viability and validation of innovation for service delivery program. And this is where we're working with municipalities using uh, the um, uh, uh, bottom-up approach where municipalities that are engaged or districts that are engaged will then say to us, we've got a particular challenge around service delivery and then we work together to uh, develop uh, innovative solution in dealing with that. So I will then recap a little bit on our interpretation and approach to the DDM, uh, and then uh, also have a bit of reflection on the portfolio of uh, selected projects that uh, are being supported here. Um, so uh, we had actually, uh, uh, this is gonna be the outline, looking at the DDM process one, process two, and process three. Uh, and then also to just share with you some of the approach in terms of how we identify projects and um, then how we move after we've identified them working together with uh, various partners and our implementing uh, agencies. Um, so the issue around the DDM is that it's ensuring that the projects that we are uh, implementing uh, you know, that we're working jointly, uh, both national, provincial, and local government, so that all the initiatives can properly be accounted for, budgeted for, and also georeferenced. So the georeferencing is quite important because you also want to then be able to do an assessment to say of all those initiatives that are in a particular district, what kind of impact are they making or what are the gaps? And if there are gaps, what are the newer initiatives that can be brought on board to try and um, plug those gaps? So we therefore uh, do what we call the gap analysis to understand how various government programs can respond to developmental challenges in a particular uh, locality. And, and, and the, the work really is about ensuring that we have the so-called one plan, uh, where the whole government initiatives are actually being done in a coordinated fashion. Uh, this, this is a process or an approach that is going to minimize uh, duplication and wastage of resources, but making sure that in certain instances where capacities exist in one and not the other, those can actually be, um, uh, be, 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 be shared uh, uh, properly. So the, the main aim obviously is to solve the silo mentalities, both horizontal and government and, and, and vertical at government level. And, and one of the big challenges that we deal with, for, for example, is when you have challenges uh, between districts in terms of development, um, the, 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 there is always that feeling uh, that the distance between people and government is, is way too wide or you know, we are not in touch with the uh, real challenges on the ground. So by this approach, then working directly with the people we get a sense of what they're doing. And in the process, uh, one of the challenges when services aren't coming or when opportunities don't exist in one district, you always have to, to you will see all sorts of movement of people between uh, district and so on and so forth looking for opportunities. And one of the things that we're trying to do is to really have a handle at or manage where it is possible, this movement so that uh, they can be restricted at least insofar as 
people rushing to other districts to look for opportunities. So we really want to try and make sure that this is uh, probably uh, dealt with. Um, ensuring the integration of services, but also, as I've indicated previously, really to maximize the impact um, by looking at initiatives, not only as, a, as one department, but um, cross departments and cross uh, various levels of government. Um, and, and the issue really is to that ultimately we need to make sure that at local uh, level, there are economic opportunities. So you don't have to say, for me to get economic opportunities, we always have to flock to a particular province or maybe a particular district. Um, also to ensure sustainable development while accelerating initiative to uh, promote um, uh, the aspects of eradication of poverty, unemployment and uh, inequality. So we basically uh, here just try to reflect um, the principles underpinning the uh, district development model uh, and also the objectives of the model. I think I've already highlighted the objectives, really managing the rural urban migration patterns to ensure that we create opportunities as well in um, uh, especially uh, those uh, rural um, districts, um, making sure that we, we have a handle on various economic uh, drivers in those particular areas so that we can actually know that when we uh, touch on this particular lever, we are going to be able to create those, those opportunities. Um, and then one of the issues really is to institutionalize long-term planning so that we can address the burning issues uh, in a manner that doesn't just solve them temporarily, but look at uh, providing uh, solutions uh, that will be long lasting. Um, so I've mentioned the issue of one plan uh, here, just making sure that uh, as one government, we are actually providing uh, services in a manner that is properly co co coordinated. Um, demonstrate how geographic space, uh, um, you know, we can make an impact by making sure that, and as I've indicated, one of the key thing is georeferencing. So you want to be able to, at a click of a button, have a sense of what are the government interventions that are happening at a particular um, uh, um, uh, district and how many are they and what kind of uh, uh, priorities are they addressing and over time be able through monitoring and evaluation to, to have a sense of whether they are making the desired impact or not. And the issue is really to respond on the actual conditions uh, of, of people on the ground. So these are just the pillars. Um, we, we do the demographic and district profile. I'll talk to a little bit about that. Uh, making sure that we um, work towards uh, positioning uh, these districts economically uh, in a manner that creates um, uh, good interdependencies. Uh, spatial restructuring, uh, I think that's, that's quite important. One of the things that we really are having as a priority in government department, especially in the Department of Science and Innovation, is to say, how do we make sure that we have what we call spatial transformation. How do we change various areas that were traditionally not considered to be uh, uh, economically um, viable to then use innovation to make them viable? 
uh, integrated service provisioning. And this is probably one of the areas that uh, when we talk about the progress we have made to date, the focus is gonna be on issues of service delivery. Infrastructure engineering, and then governance and financial management. And here is uh, really one of the issues that we do looking at uh, various uh, readiness index of municipalities, which can help us in terms of how do we plan going forward. Um, the issue of district profiling is quite important. And here I just give an example. For example, when you profile uh, a Kurleni district, so you're able to then say, this is the total population that we have in this particular district. And this is how fast or how slow it has been growing uh, compared to other uh, surrounding districts. And then to look at the poverty levels in that particular district, having a sense of the uh, education levels of the citizens in the particular district. And this then helps you to then say, what kind of tailor-made solutions can you bring in that particular uh, um, uh, district? So when you know the uh, level of education, uh, when it comes to matters of skills development, what actually do you then take there? When it comes to, uh, uh, you know, just even understanding, you know, what are the drivers? When you say it is agriculture in a particular district, then what are uh, aspects of agriculture innovation can you then take there? So this is really just one quick profile of how uh, we, we look at a district before you actually can then decide what kind of interventions can be brought there because you don't want to bring in interventions that may not be suitable for that particular uh, district. And here just uh, another example of the Ugu um, um, district uh, municipality, the profile again, looking at the population, looking at the, um, uh, um, you know, demographics of the people there, young people, uh, the employment levels and so on and so forth, the poverty rate, and then going deeper into the actual wards to be able to have a sense of, you know, how many graduates do we have there? And, and I think with time as this evolves, to be able to then uh, uh, have a sense of opportunities that, that can be taken, especially in terms of making sure that the young people are empowered. So this is another a similar one done for the Zuland district. Uh, but the approach and principle uh, is that we don't want to look at the district development model as just a simple listing of projects. Um, it it's really has to go beyond that because now the issue is, are they making an impact? Uh, some of the initiatives might be there and perhaps not being uh, very impactful. So the listing of project is not just what we're trying to do here. We also work uh, directly with engaging municipalities. So it's not just about uh, bringing in solutions and uh, catapulting them into a particular municipality, but it is really working closely with them and saying, what are your challenges? How can we help you? And in some instances, really doing what we call the co-creation of solutions with the municipalities, which we think always assist in making sure that the solutions that we provide are actually uh, acceptable. The issue of data and information intelligence is quite crucial and uh, it really links to the previous slides I was uh, highlighting on the profiling of the district. So that gathering of that intelligence also makes sure that the initiatives that you bring into uh, these localities are actually relevant and actually they have got buy-in. And most crucially, and then we have seen this time and again, that there is enough capacity to be able to absorb 
some of the uh, opportunities that, that are given there. So, so we, we do find that in some instances, if you don't do that, you try to bring in solutions that may be very useful, but uh, you find that on the ground, there isn't capacity to take those up. And therefore we need to really use this intelligence to say, how do we then uh, develop those capacitors? Um, and from the DSI side, of course, uh, we know that our political principles are allocated um, districts where they are champions, uh, but we want to emphasize that the DSI's uh, approach in dealing with this is not only to focus on those municipalities, on those districts, but also to go beyond that. And in fact, as we present the slide, you will see that we, are, we, are, we have already gone much further than just those three uh, districts where our political principles are champions. Um, it, it's really about the demonstration through those uh, innovation projects of uh, the regional focus and interlinkages between rural and urban communities. Uh, like, uh, of these, uh, projects. So ultimately what we want to do is to make sure so, so ultimately what we wanna do is to ensure that these initiatives are institutionalized. So you don't want a situation where we start an initiative an initiative, and then when you somehow think it is time for the district to take over, then it, everything collapses. So that's why work is about how this gets institutionalized. So initiatives are therefore in, 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 engaged in such a manner that even the local government has got buy-in and they can invest their own resources to continue with that. So that's really is, is, is quite critical. Um, and where necessary, of course, as government at uh, national level, we leverage various international uh, uh, resources to uh, seed some of these initiatives and so that when they are actually becoming sustainable, uh, we wouldn't really have had challenges with the availing of resources, especially insofar as uh, aspects of skills development and in some instances, provision of uh, requisite infrastructure. Um, so, um, it's about systems thinking. So you don't want to then just do one thing and then realize that when you have done this one thing, uh, the, there are gaps in other areas. So when you look at systems thinking, it's about how the intervention you're providing actually has an impact on other aspects of service delivery. And, and, and of course, uh, making sure that the impact, uh, the quantum is much higher when we do the, 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 the impact assessment when these initiatives are proper coordinated. Um, so just looking at how the projects are selected into being the DDM, it's really about uh, the weighting that we give. For example, how the initiative uh, contributes to the DSI outcomes, how they are aligned to the white paper, the um, uh, social development goals, and sustainable development goals, and also the issue of response to poverty, unemployment, uh, and matters of ex exclusion. So we very much are trying to make sure that these initiatives make sure that they've got an empowerment element. For example, making sure that we don't leave women behind, we don't leave young people behind, and we also take care of um, those that have got uh, disabilities as well. Um, the projects have to be responsive when it comes to skills development, dealing with issues of unemployment, but most crucially also uh, building entrepreneurship, uh, which we have found that in most areas, the neglect of the 
role that entrepreneurship can play in employment creation has led to people sitting and saying, okay, we all are just waiting to, uh, to, to, to look for jobs elsewhere. But with entrepreneurship, we're starting to see, especially focusing on young people, uh, young people are standing up and creating opportunities for employment for others and for themselves. And so we therefore look at the waiting and we're able to say, okay, if a project addresses all these areas, then we can say it has got a high impact. If it addresses some and not all of them, medium impact and then moderate and low impact. And obviously the bias is more towards high impact projects. So I just really wanted to give a sense of what is it that we look at when we ultimately decide that this particular project really fits to be uh, under the distant development model. Uh, so this is just explaining the same thing. So you see high impact will be addressing all of those medium impact some, uh, moderate, it will be uh, addressing one or more of those, and then low impact, probably just one. Uh, so that's really uh, just the, the metrics in terms of how we, we, we do that. Um, as I've indicated, and I'm going to be handing over soon to um, uh, Tepang to just take us through the progress we've made to date, uh, it's really about making sure that there is inclusion of youth, that we deal with the challenges that many of our youth are facing and our communities, whether we're talking about crime, drugs, issues around health. Um, we have last, last, last night when we were talking about the awards, one of the things that uh, really came out is that on the health front, we still have a lot of challenges to deal with, especially with young people when talking about matters of HIV and AIDS infection. So we also take initiatives that are gonna address that. Matters around, um, the disasters, whether it is drought, whether it is flooding and so on and so forth. Service uh, provision, looking at basic services, whether it is uh, water, sanitation, energy, education, and connectivity. So these are the areas that uh, our initiatives are, are focusing on. Matters of sexualization of our economy. There are a lot of opportunities that we are now starting to see the department leading. Uh, for example, the creation of what we call environmentalists, which are young people who are establishing enterprises on the basis of the secular economy, uh, issues around infrastructure, and I've mentioned the inclusion uh, issues, skills training, and here we're talking about um, skills and not necessarily the master's and PhD qualifications, so, but really just making sure that uh, people in these districts have got the skills that can help them uh, be able to, to, to make a living. Um, so I'm Gonna uh, skip this again because it's looking at these issues of uh, impact, and um, so I've indicated that we we also look at what we call the georeferencing. So making sure that you know which initiatives are in which particular province and in each particular district. And as you can see, the bulk of our initiatives are in KwaZulu Natal, uh, followed by the Eastern Cape, and then we got Gauteng and. Limpopo, and uh, then some of them are at national level. We do have some that, uh, as they come in, we're still trying to georeference. So at this point in time, we are we haven't done uh, or finished the the georeferencing process. So those will probably be still under unknown or to be confirmed. Um, but as you can see, some of the provinces or the district that require our interventions they are still lagging behind, not because of lack of opportunities from being provided from our side, but also because on their side, either because of capacity issues and the uh, speed of response. 
some of these are still lagging behind, but we continue to work with these municipalities to improve that. And then this is really just where we have grouped them in terms of high, low and media impact. And as you can see, I've indicated that our bias is making sure that we've got initiatives that are going to help us make a bigger impact. So that's why you see 84% of these are really sitting at, at, at high impact. Um, and, and then we've got others that are classified uh, differently. Um, so these are the maps that just shows uh, how we have done the proper mapping of all the initiatives that the department has. So the green really indicating where uh, we have mapped and were mapped and we find that there are DS, DSI initiatives and then uh, the other color, which is now the areas that, that haven't been mapped. And here you can see the red dots are actually the actual initiatives of the project that are sitting there. Um, and and um, so you see that the, 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 the department is actually basically present in all provinces and in as many municipalities as, as, as possible, but we still are gonna have to, to grow this. And this is really just a listing of various initiatives where they sit and what they are about. Um, and the point is really just to uh, give a sense of what projects are in each area. Now, uh, Tsepang is going to take us through just a progress report of some of the service delivery um, uh, program, program activities. And here I need to indicate that we've been working very well with the Department of Corporate Governance. And um, when we had the briefing uh, with them and the CSIR uh, last week, um, the plan is that we are going to intensify this to make sure that both at provincial and local government level, uh, they can be aware of these offerings that we have so that they can make use of them because those municipalities that are using this are beginning to see a lot of value in that. Uh, Sepang, can you just take through the, the next one? So I'm gonna be moving the slides for you. Are you ready, Sepang? I'm ready, TDG. Good morning, uh, uh, Chair, and good morning to the members. Uh, so the background that was given really strengthens uh, the approach and the background, uh, how we are approaching this, and also the selection criteria like the DDG has explained, uh, our three-pronge uh, strategy. So if you will recall, he mentioned that we've got process one, process two, and process three. Uh, so today, deliberately, we are just giving you a sense of how we are implementing process two. So process two is a program uh, on, on innovations for service delivery. We call it VVISTP. So I am not giving you a progress on process one, which is the 126 uh, or so projects that are already existing in the DSI in different municipalities. And I'm also not giving you a, a presentation or a progress update on process three. And process three is about uh, interventions coming out of the decadal plan that will be implemented in, um, in, 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 in the municipalities. So Chair, we have taken an approach very deliberate to not parachute initiatives to the municipalities as a silver bullet. Uh, uh, we have taken an approach for process two, the VVISDP, which I'm going to talk about uh, briefly here, an approach where municipalities themselves are actively involved in the selection of those technologies that can improve service delivery, but they themselves become critical players of the national system of innovation. Uh, 
Uh, this will help us in the long term that whatever technologies they have selected to improve service delivery, they can institutionalize those technologies. They can also have sustainability plans for those technologies so that they do not become white elephants. So the VVISDP program, the objective, just to uh, get started on that, is really what you see on the screen. We were to select a number of uh, 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 technologies that will pilot to improve the delivery of basic services. So the basic services we're looking at water, sanitation, energy, ICT, and waste management. In doing that, uh, Chair, we are doing this project with an objective of inclusion, socioeconomic rights, and the involvement of the unemployed. So in all these uh, tech demonstrations that we, we are talking about uh, just briefly here, we are trying to make sure that the programs or the projects or the interventions are designed in a manner that can at least create some inclusion opportunities of the cooperatives, especially the unemployed youth, so that we can also look at how these uh, initiatives are helping with employment or income opportunities to an extent. The next one, TDG. Hello, TDG. Time to move it. Okay. Can, can I perhaps uh, roll from, from my side, uh, DDG, if it's possible? If you can, you can uh, but uh, can you see the next slide? I can, yes, yes, yes. Okay, sure. All right. So, Chair, again, uh, this program, the VVISTP program, is uh, structured into six sub-projects. Uh, so, last time we came to Portfolio Committee, we did mention this. So the first project is project one, which is the biggest project. Like I said, it's on water, sanitation, energy, waste management, ICT. Uh, so we call it project one. You will see on the green bubbles there. Uh, so that's the biggest project and it's taking most of uh, the, the budget. And then project two is decision support tools. The next green uh, uh, bubble there. So uh, decision support tools chair, mainly systems. We have come to learn uh, when we engage municipalities, they are asking for support in terms of uh, digitization and also uh, business process systems. Uh, it is still a big uh, a challenge. You, you may just often assume all these systems are in place. So they have approached us and said they want us to help them with decision uh, support tools. Project three, we are measuring innovation in municipalities, a uh, chair. And we are also building the capacity of municipal officials. So that's project three under UKZN. I will explain later, maybe in detail, what we're doing there. And then project four is really about making sure we integrate uh, innovation in the municipal policy environment. There are a number of hurdles. Uh, technology and innovation sometimes cannot be procured through the PFMA process because of specifications. So we are looking at what are these hurdles and how can we influence municipal policies to be more enabling across uh, municipal value chain, uh, the policies themselves to be the enablers. And then uh, project five is on e-participation, where we are testing how to use ICT tools to help municipalities who want to create uh, mechanisms through technology for citizens to engage in uh, policy processes in, in municipalities. So we are very excited about this uh, project, Project 5. Hopefully, it will have lessons also just generally about how we engage uh, around uh, policies 
we, we're learning a lot from other countries in this. So project six is administrative. In total for project one and project two, we've got 42 projects. Thank you, DDG, the next one. Okay, I think you skipped the slide there. Thank you. Uh, so again here, Chair, this is a demonstration of how many municipalities we've uh, enrolled, uh, how many municipalities are benefiting on this process too, we call the VVISTP. So when we released an expression of interest, we received 108 written expressions of interest from different municipalities. But some of the expressions of interest could not really uh, pass our requirements, uh, about 64 of those. We, we put them on what we call a, a parking bay because we asked to re revisit that. So they were not correctly motivated and some documentation we needed was not there and there were some other issues around those expressions of interest. But we took uh, on board, um, so we took on board about 64, we reserved uh, about 44. Then on, 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 on project one and two, like I said, it's 42 projects. Uh, so we've got uh, 24, and then we also have um, uh, 18 on decision support tools, and uh, the rest, project three, eight, uh, four, seven. But the, uh, what you call, the graphic on the bottom uh, right-hand corner, there, the table there that shows yellow, uh, just gives you a sense uh, of the list of technologies in terms of decision support tools they had requested. So the yellow part you'll see it's GIS, utility systems, management systems, and dashboards, field staff, uh, monitoring uh, 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 systems. So they came to us and said, this is what we need help about. And then we, we, we are co-creating now with them and, and selecting technologies that we can support uh, them with. Uh, the next one. Uh, right. So at a very high level, Chair, before I go into each uh, project now, this summarizes what I really want to say. Uh, 24 texts on water sanitation, waste management, 18 decision support tools, uh, if you look at the uh, yellow uh, block, 35 municipalities are on board. We've secured the funding. We've got the funding of about 100 uh, million rents also for this particular program. Um, we have appointed implementing entities. So these are our knowledge research institutions who have got technologies, but who will also go out and call for these technologies in the private sector and get the most suitable technologies to improve these services because we will not assume that technologies will only be at the CSIR. The other technologies that are out there in the private sector that can help with wastewater management as an example. So we've brought all the DSI uh, research entities, Sanedi is doing energy with municipalities, RRC is doing water and sanitation, CSIR is involved on uh, decision support tools, TI is doing fund management, UKZN is doing capacity uh, building, HSRC they are looking at a policy uh, environment. Um, they have also engaged with municipalities share one-on-one -on -one to understand exactly what the requirements. If it's a decision support tool, that a municipality in Draken uh, they have said they need around a field uh, monitoring, what exactly that, and how can we then help through this program? And then we have also finished those requirements analysis workshops. The 
implementing entities I've mentioned there on the slide have released the calls for these technologies. So the municipalities are now in the current of selecting the most suitable technologies they need for their uh, challenges. Uh, the business plans have been developed by the implementing entities um, and the budget has been transferred by the DSI uh, for this particular program. Next slide. Just to zoom into uh, project one uh, chair, like I said on project one, it's water, water and sanitation, energy, uh, waste, and, and the others, you, you know, your, your typical basic services. So just on this one, on project one by uh, Water Research Commission, the Water Research Commission is an implementing entity. So they have established a water sanitation innovation uh, technology unit. So there is a structure. Again, Chair, to mention, we will not be able to successfully deliver without some governance arrangements and some uh, in, in institutional arrangements. So some PMUs have been uh, formulated. The one for water and sanitation, uh, the, the WSITU uh, PMU at uh, WRC Water Research Commission is in place just to engage municipalities and to help them. What they, are, what they have done is the detailed feasibility processes that we've got experience where we had in the past recommended the water and sanitation technology, but you'll find that it's not feasible in that particular municipality. So this time around, they are doing feasibility assessments and also they, they, they are identifying and, uh, technologies and asking uh, municipalities to select those technologies. Uh, they've released the calls uh, for those technologies and they, they are selecting technologies from a database. We've got a database of uh, the, the next generation sanitation technology. So these are technologies for sanitation that do not rely on water. So we want to see from an infrastructure point of view, uh, the non-seward technologies in municipalities or in communities, how, how, how could that uh, work out? So we call a, a pro, an activity the SASTEP. And they are also selecting from uh, a way that this is a database of big uh, water technologies. Uh, um, they have also set up governance structures like I've mentioned and they undertaken uh, requirements analysis workshops and engage municipalities one-on-one. -on -one. So this is what uh, RC has been doing so far. Uh, the, the next slide, TDG. Now here you see a list of municipalities. We've got City of Twane, we've got Teguruleni on this project, we've got uh, Bombela, uh, we also have uh, Trakenstein, but you may see there's Teguruleni times three. So you will find that uh, underwater and sanitation, Eguruleni as one municipality is looking at three different technologies. And then we've got city of Cape Town, we've got Mbashe, and then the last one is, is, uh, is, is Solentem. Uh, the next slide, uh, TDG. Right, now the next activities for water and sanitation really is to complete the feasibilities and also to make sure there is matchmaking, the municipalities will sign uh, MOUs with them for selecting those uh, technologies. Um, and, and then uh, uh, contracting now, there's going to be contracting between the technology developers and the municipalities uh, uh, to implement now the technologies. But I think the first uh, phase which I've just reported on was more to, to initiate, but now we are going into uh, matchmaking 
uh, where municipalities will be matched to the technologies they need. And then they then conclude an implementation agreement with the tech developer. And then WRC oversees the entire uh, technology implementation under water and sanitation. Thank you, DDG. Then on energy, it's more about energy management uh, in municipalities and uh, the implementer here is Sanedi. Um, now we are also looking at uh, piloting and demonstrating renewable energy solutions. Uh, we've been emphasizing chair to them that because we don't have much of a big budget, we may not be doing big energy infrastructure, but a smart uh, a grid where possible, where communities could also participate, uh, like I said, the socioeconomic uh, involvement and the socioeconomic uh, benefits and the socioeconomic rights of people. So we, we, we are very much alert to bringing in communities in this te technology demonstration. So this one is on energy. Next slide. Uh, the approach by Sanedi is divided into those work packages, initiation, uh, which is a work package one, and those milestones have been achieved. They, they've collected data on technologies that could be demonstrated. We've gone through inception meetings with them. They've consulted with the municipalities as well to understand the requirements. Uh, the next slide. Uh, City of Cape Town again comes back under energy. Um, with the Giza Tech technology and the coupon systems they want to implement. And then Drakenstein uh, about electronic uh, meter reading. And then Bombela, we are engaging with them again on energy. Their proposal was not so very clear. Um, Giza control, uh, public uh, lights control uh, in, in Rustenburg. Uh, the last one, I'm glad to say, I think we will be referring this project back to project two because it is actually a decision support tool, uh, the, the, the last one there, Chair. But this just gives you a sense of who is involved. We have established contact uh, for individual project managers in each municipality. Uh, the next slide, TDG. And then on highlights around um, energy, uh, although some of the municipalities have defined what they require very well, we still experience the challenges where some of the municipalities were very unclear. And the contracting and budgeting, like I said, this slide is, is, is outdated. We have gone past that. Sanity has got a contract, it's been approved, they've got a budget. Salga is working with us. We have uh, COGTA also coming on board. We just had a, a presentation of this program to COGTA with the DDG here about two weeks ago. Uh, we still have a problem though, Chair, where some of the municipalities are non-responsive. So they, were, they, they submitted uh, expressions of interest to be on the program, but when we follow up, they are really non-responsive. So we have to find a way uh, in some instances where there was non-responsiveness, Salga has helped us. Uh, the next slide, DDG. Uh, now on project two, decision support tools, I've mentioned what they are. You can see them listed on that first paragraph and more business management systems and business processes and different systems and tools that they require. So I'm not going to explain the activities, but CSIR is implementing this. They were to look at what the municipalities require and call for the technologies 
out uh, in the private sector and also in the publicly funded institutions and bring them to the municipalities. The next slide. So they are supporting these 10 municipalities. It's a total of 18 projects. Again, you will see that Cape Town has got six. And then you will also notice Nelson Mandela, there is two. So it will be more than one decision support tool, but within the same municipality. So we've got Mklatuze, uh, Teguini again, Namakwa, Nelson Mandela, Rustenbeck, et cetera. The next slide. Right, just on what they have done so far, uh, uh, it is more or less the same with uh, project uh, one, the ones that I've uh, explained. They've engaged municipalities as well to understand what is required. And also uh, some of the municipalities have requested MOUs with the DSI and the CSIR. Uh, so we have contracted uh, and uh, the contractor approved. Uh, CSIR is, 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 is on the ground. Um, they are engaging with these municipalities. So what is to happen when we come next time around here? Maybe we'll be able to now show, show you the type of technologies in each municipality and maybe explain that in further detail. And maybe where time could allow TDG, we could also bring the implementing entities themselves to report on each project to the portfolio committee. But a lot has been done, as I've mentioned earlier, it was not gonna be about us finding silver bullets for uh, these technologies, but to engage through a process by which municipalities themselves are able to select technologies uh, for sustainability reasons in, into the future. Uh, next slide, TDG. Uh, so on project three, it's innovation uh, capacity and innovation measurements uh, chair. So like I said, we're measuring innovation uh, behavior. Uh, we're measuring how municipalities are adopting innovation in the sense that where they've got budgets for innovation, we are assessing that. And also in the sense where they have established innovation uh, champions or maybe have designated even an official in their organogram, uh, we are assessing that. And to what extent the leadership and the strategies and the programs of a municipality is now speaking to innovation because if the country is to move towards innovation, then it must be a whole of government approach and we require municipalities to become critical players. So we are measuring innovation. Um, we are, will be capacitating municipalities through a training module with UKZN. And the other exciting one on this project is the smart cities uh, assessment. So what we are trying to do, Chair, is to engage municipalities to identify projects that are smart cities uh, projects or initiatives which are bankable and may be ready for investment. So what we want to do, we, in fact, we started doing this is to engage private sector investors who may be interested in those projects. And not long ago, we engaged a standard bank. They are interested in smart cities. They were asking us through this project, what are the in bankable smart city initiatives in municipalities that, that are ready for, for investment. So we are trying to bring the private sector together with the municipalities by identifying the bankable smart city initiatives that are ready for investment. The next slide, DDG. So the project three is divided into those uh, five areas. Uh, it's learning and training and curriculum, which will be training uh, over 300 officials around innovation. 
and how uh, they can introduce innovation in municipalities. They are establishing a journal on innovation and sustainability as a university. And then the Municipal Innovation Maturity Index, we've released the first country report of uh, how municipalities are adopting innovation, but we are incrementally uh, refining this report uh, chair. Uh, but we will be maybe in two years time or every uh, two years release another country report, which can give a picture of how municipalities are embracing innovation uh, to, to be able to, 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 to have an oversight of what's happening there and what sort of interventions are needed to further support. And then the smart cities have explained, but the other one now that we are assessing innovation in municipalities, uh, the other work component, they will be assessing innovation in the public sector. Chair, what we have done on assessing innovation in the public sector was a study to look at policies in the, in the public sector, to what extent are policies in education, are policies in human settlements, are policies in, um, in, in sanitation and, and these other sector departments speak to the language of innovation. What extent have those policies taken up STI? So on one hand, we are talking about STI as DSI, but on the other hand, we need to see if there is uh, synchronization and the policies are now opening up to STI. There's a study. We'll be happy to release that study and share uh, with the committee members what the findings were. And then the last one is on innovation champions. Next slide, uh, TDG. Municipalities that are on project three, you may see a lot of our metros seem to be really coming in a number of uh, these projects, but it's also an indication that they have really taken innovation to, to, to the next level. I think City of Twane have really are showing a high level of maturity around innovation because they've got processes, units, and systems. But you can see a whole lot of them keep coming back uh, to, 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 on this VVISTP uh, uh, project. The next slide, PDG. I'm almost finished. Uh, now, again, what has been done and what has been achieved was around governance, steering committees, workshop with municipalities, and identifying these municipalities that will participate in the assessments, the, the digital platform for assessing innovation, we call it the MIMI digital platform, has been established, and then uh, literature and the database of uh, smart city initiatives in uh, municipalities and, and, and some theoretical literature. Uh, work and then on the right hand side you can see the work that they've got planned for the next coming uh, period. Next slide. Project four uh, has got two things. Chair is to help municipalities to sustain these technologies. So you can see under towards the end of that slide two two uh, components. One is sustainability plans. So once we demonstrate these technologies, we 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 have engaged CSR to do project four. But project four by CSR will be done in a way where CSR helps municipalities to sustain these initiatives, to sustain these technologies. Uh, and then also they are looking at policy environment, how to infuse and open up the policy uh, uh, system of municipalities to be more pro-innovation. Pro the next slide, DDG. Uh, the next one. And the next one, yes. Now on project five, uh, um, Chair, the, we are trying something here 
were ICT tools because most people have got access to ICT tools uh, to design a platform uh, in which citizens can participate and through you know public participation in policies. Uh, we are learning and following and, and shadowing what has been done in other countries where this has been successfully done. So we are exploring here and testing within, with about six municipalities. We know it may not always work, especially in communities where you don't have connectivity, but we felt it's one area of technology we just need to explore. Uh, if you look at it from uh, a lens of uh, e-government, you know, how can we enable this? And there will be, I think, under the leadership of Paul Platinger, HSRC, who's leading this, is also engaging the portfolio, sorry, the parliament committee responsible for public participation in policy processes, something along those lines. And at the next slide, DDG, we've got the following municipalities. Oh, sorry, I'm not on the municipalities. The, the, the initiative itself places in, in the policy space uh, in, in the column uh, highlighted at the center there. Uh, so how, how do you really uh, bring about um, consultation around budget, but using ICT tools, uh, citizen initiatives, uh, and coming up with a framework for that? And the key players are SALGA, uh, Civic Tech uh, Innovation, uh, uh, I think that's an NGO, uh, and we are studying very much of how the other countries in the BRICS have done this. We have what we call lighthouse project we are following in Europe, but we're not going to copy paste. We, we are just going to learn from them and, and find a way to support a few of our municipalities to move that uh, direction. Next slide, DDG. So far, there has been uh, some activities. We've got Emma Etegwin and initial meetings and a very good interest expressed by these municipalities. I think they also have uh, three of these municipalities, they also have the biggest public participation unit. So we are looking at uh, replacing other non-responsive municipalities who have in the beginning expressed inter interest to participate. So like I said, we, we're studying this internationally. Uh, we've, been, we've created a database of similar projects uh, internationally, but we want to study it in the South African context and, 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 um, and engage these other various players. There has been contracting. We will be supporting a cohort of researchers, PhD level in this area, but it's an area that is really important in how citizens can play a role to, simulate, to, to, to have, make input in modeling future policies. So if a particular policy uh, is in place, but you then want to model a policy, how can we engage citizens around these policy processes? How can, we, how can this become a, a, a practice? Maybe we don't know, but the, the idea is really to uncover if it can work in the municipal context. Next slide, DDG. Yeah, I, I thank you very much, uh, Chair. I'm sorry I've taken a bit of time, but uh, maybe I, I may mention that we are likely now in the next coming reporting to bring in each entity to show some of these examples. Maybe we can zoom into one project and, and, and give once the technologies are selected because they're in that process now and give more substantive uh, reporting in, in each individual project uh, out of the five 
for uh, VVSDP projects that we have reported here. Thank you very much, TDG. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Sepang, and, and thanks very, chair, very much, Chairperson and Honorable Members. I think we also apologize. We, we had a very long presentation because I think since we did the previous presentation, there's been a lot that has gone on over the past couple of months. So we're just going to hand over to Chairperson and uh, we'll get direction in terms of what the next steps are. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, colleagues. Um, for, for that presentation. I think it's okay for DSI <laughs> uh, to sometimes um, have a, a bit of a more lengthy uh, uh, presentation and really an informative presentation. And we do, we must take up that offer or maybe, you know, having certain entities come and present uh, on their specific um, uh, projects and initiatives but of course, um, we are cognizant of the fact that um, uh, time is not on our side. So we may have to sort of zoom into those entities that have um, some, you know, really key uh, initiatives that, that speak directly to some of the um, stressing matters in, in, that are facing our communities at the moment. So at this point, I'd like to open up to members who have any questions? Okay, I see Honorable Mananiso, Honorable Boshoff. Okay, Honorable Mananiso. Okay, thank you, Chair, and good morning, colleagues. Uh, let me start by welcoming all the presentations. And as you said, Chairperson, uh, every time when you have DSI before us, it is a learning, you know, a meeting where some of us are actually thought provoked in terms of why not our municipalities and so on. But uh, Chair, my 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 question is with regards to uh, what it's been presented here. Uh, I've seen that in terms of their presentation on water and sanitation uh, program. Uh, you, they, they have highlighted that they are, they'll, they'll be working with Ekuguleni. So I want to check if they have any plans to work with uh, your Tswani municipality, because we have noted that there's a crisis at Hamaskal. So uh, do they have any plans uh, to actually assist government in ensuring that uh, they save people of Hamaskal? because I, I think they are in a dire need of such interventions. And uh, Chair, my other comment with regards to the presentation as well is that uh, perhaps the department needs to look at not at, uh, they must try to strike the balance. I mean, you've got uh, like, for example, KZ and appearing in all these intervention, interventional programs. And I, I think that they will be leaving other provinces behind. So I just want to emphasize that they need to strike a balance and close the gap. And my question is on the issue of uh, rural areas. I, I want to check if they've got a framework that is specifically designed for rural areas or it's per your uh, spatial framework uh, with regards to their plan of 
intervention on uh, rural areas. And uh, Chairperson, uh, the other thing is with regards to the uh, uh, summary of the progress report process on their template, can they perhaps submit to us specifics on those 34 uh, technologies like they must give us details as well as those municipalities as they have highlighted on their presentation because of I believe that as a portfolio committee members our interest as well it's where we are coming from to check if uh, you know uh, our district are in line with the developments that are happening more especially with regards to technology and innovation and uh, my last one chairperson it's with regards to these municipalities that they have highlighted that they they have six municipalities that they are working with with regards to e-participation I, I think they need to stretch their work or plan to ensure that they include other municipalities a capacity building program it's the core of any service delivery and empowerment so i want to emphasize to them that they must bring all these municipalities on board more especially on capacity building program i mean we have seen that uh, science innovation and technology is there now and if you we are left behind. Therefore, development it is a dream for our people. That is what I want to say for today. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Mananiso. In fact, the matter on um, KZN is a reoccurring issue. I think we had we had um, raised that concern um, when we previously engaged on this and. Uh, my honorable Mananis was identifying it again. So I guess the biggest concern is then just to be brought into confidence on how we are trying to um, equitably distribute um, these interventions across various provinces. And of course, it's ongoing work, but we need to start to see, um, you know, that particular move of, of spreading out these opportunities across the country. Honorable Boshoff. Thank you, Honorable Chair. And first, I have to apologize. I think there's something like a Zoom spirit switching on one's camera and one's uh, microphone. Uh, I don't know without one's knowledge, uh, but I sincerely apologize for 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 that uh, early on in the meeting. Um, now, I just want to make a statement and uh, ask uh, the, the department to respond to that because I want to check whether I understand it correctly. And then I have a request. The, if I understand it correctly, um, as it was presented, the initiative lies with the municipality. The municipality needs to approach the department because then there is a the biggest chance of a successful project because the municipality works through the, um, the request and they uh, formulate it in such a way that it is clear that the municipality will have the political will and also the um, capacity to see it through. Um, so it would not uh, really be effective if the department reaches out to municipalities and say, okay, we see you have a, a, a need in this or that direction and we are willing to assist. 
because then it's the department's project and not the municipality's project. I, I want to uh, confirm that is how I understood it. And it makes sense to me, but I'm, I just want to make sure if I'm correct. And then I want to ask from the political side, um, as it was explained, it seems to me rather, let's say, official driven, uh, meaning the officials of the municipality. Uh, they are actually the ones who should uh, study whatever projects or, or assistance uh, is available. And then they have to apply. But I think it, it may be really... Um, uh, of you know of value, if our councillors are um, are uh, equipped with the knowledge and whatever to really approach the officials and say, but this and that is available. Are we working on that so that the political pressure is put on the officials? I'm especially thinking of my own constituency in the Northern Cape, where I think we have some municipalities with about as many um, inhabitants as one metropolitan ward. Uh, but then the, the that ward might be the size of maybe the whole thing sometimes, uh, uh, that municipality. So um, they have a problem. They get a, a, a smaller bit of money from the, from the fiscus because there are not so many people. And some of the worst performing municipalities are in our province, I believe, because of a lack of capacity. But that is where I see the uh, Department of Science and Innovation's um, projects coming in, because one can maybe gap this problem of having too few people scattered over too large an area to easily manage it. But it, this can be breached by these kind of innovative uh, techni technological uh, projects. So maybe uh, these very weak performing municipalities could, uh, you know, skip quite a number of places and, and start performing very well if they embrace these kind of technologies. And what I want to know about that is, can we... Um, engage some of the, uh, the the departmental officials to say, okay, we have a caucus meeting, a virtual caucus meeting of our councillors. Are you willing to address them, to explain to them what they as councillors can do to, you know, nudge the officials in the direction of uh, uh, um, adopting these technologies? And of course, I don't really ask it in a you know in an abstract way. Uh, I would like to make an appointment with one of the uh, officials if that can be done. Of course, it's not a kind of uh, a political appropriation. It's just that we want to equip our councillors with the knowledge to do whatever they can to improve service delivery uh, for the whole community which they serve. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Boshoff. Honorable Mananiso, followed by Litsie. Oh, sorry, Honorable Mananiso is already gone. Honorable Litsie. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chair. Good morning to yourself, uh, Honorable Members, uh, the team from the department led by the DG. I see he's now in the meeting. Um, and everybody else uh, who may be on the platform. Chair, let's take this opportunity to 
appreciate uh, the presentation from the department. Um, and I think I want to echo the sentiments of Honorable Manami so that when the department department of DSI puts together a presentation um, for the portfolio committee, uh, it is always an interesting um, a presentation that is focused uh, generally. So they are not all over the um, stick to uh, the intention of the proposal. And I think uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, it's a skill that uh, probably many other departments uh, can learn from. And um, yeah, so we appreciate, <clears throat> we appreciate that, uh, um, that I think um, it is interesting to note, Chair, that uh, this DDM, arrangement, uh, the department has categorized it in a, as a three or four uh, DDM processes. Um, uh, with each process clearly defining what they want to achieve at the end of that uh, uh, process, which is extremely commendable. Uh, the first one, uh, the first process uh, involved the selection of initiatives uh, that are high impact and most responsive to the current uh, district profiles or development challenges of these municipalities. And the second one, um, it's a process that seeks to support uh, the DDM by establishing a bottom-up process uh, for the viability and validation of innovations for service delivery program, uh, or as they call it, the VVISDP. And the third one uh, will be a process about positioning the DDM as a platform for inclusive innovation and for implementation of STI decadal plan initiative, which I think, like I said, each process uh, clearly knows what it wants to achieve uh, with clear uh, timelines and all of that. And I think uh, we want to appreciate uh, this uh, um, high level thinking uh, um, from the department. <clears throat> I think um, another comment, Chair, which will come as a, as a, as, as a question at the end is that um, the department has um, co compiled a list of uh, implementation commitments in each of uh, the DSI or four DDM impact areas, uh, which is impact one. Uh, uh, impact area one, they, they, they were talking about life-changing episodes, uh, which would include skills development training and all of that. Impact two, which is a, the economic competitiveness and recovery, uh, which uh, uh, amongst others speak about the support for new sources of growth in that uh, area, the local systems of innovation and production. Impact area three, um, uh, which was speaking about access to basic services and infrastructure, and impact four, uh, societal problems. Uh, 
uh, challenges and decision support, which uh, speaks about youth and drugs and all of those things, including climate change. Um, <clears throat> so the, the question on that, Chair, is that these uh, commitments on uh, impact areas, they were submitted to COGTA for, inclu- for inclusion in a COGTA's plans. Uh, is the department in a position uh, to inform us uh, how far is COGTA with uh, uh, including uh, these uh, uh, impact areas on their plans? How far are they with that one? And I think um, uh, maybe I think Honorable Mananiso touched on this a little bit, but when we spoke to or when we interacted with the department on the 7th of September last year, uh, we made um, a few observations. Uh, uh, um, and this information was that, or this observation was that how information um, about the support being provided by the department was being made known uh, or available to the public. Uh, because even today we still have uh, large sectors of our, of our communities uh, not realizing uh, all this work that the department is doing. And we, we, we would have asked the department to try <clears throat> and popularize um, uh, their, their information um, on the support of uh, uh, or support provided by them uh, to other departments and other innovations. So have they <clears throat> um, <clears throat> sorry, have they considered uh, doing that? If yes, uh, uh, how far are they uh, with those plans? If if not, uh, uh, why not? And then we said that, uh, uh, and this is what you also spoke uh, about, Fauna uh, Manani, so that uh, there's a concentration of DSI project in one province uh, called KwaZulu uh, Natal. Uh, and wanted to know how these interventions that the department were making in that space would be equitably distributed uh, across other provinces. Maybe let them take us through uh, how far are they with that. Um, uh, They can just, if if they don't have information now, they can just uh, uh, respond in writing in a spreadsheet that these are a number of interventions or programs we are busy with. And uh, per province, this is how much uh, on this one, you know, uh, just give us a clearer in- indication because last year we had made an observation that uh, many of these programs are in KwaZulu-Natal. So uh, let them assist us with that. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, we further uh, uh, made observation that uh, the department must give us more detail on the collaborations and partnership created for, for these interventions uh, that were identified uh, and how this will be resourced and uh, the impact and resources uh, and how the impact and resources uh, will be monitored. And I think maybe let them give us a, 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 a clear explanation on that so that uh, uh, we're able to move forward. Uh, and then on... Um, <clears throat> Sorry, um, that presentation last year, 
on the 7th of, of September, uh, would have stated that um, there is still misalignment between national departments, uh, DDM planning process, and municipal one plan finalization, finalization processes. Um, um, what what uh, information or progress can be reported in this regard? Do we still have those misalignments? How far are we uh, we're trying to uh, align them? What are the bottlenecks? What are the challenges? Uh, and what can be done uh, to resolve this thing as soon as possible? Um, and then how many uh, this, uh, of these uh, municipal one plans have been finalized uh, and are being implemented <clears throat> uh, currently? Um, and then there's one that I'm forgetting now. Uh, oh, yeah. On, the, on this current presentation today, uh, the department report progress in relation to its DDM process to the, the VVISDP. Uh, <clears throat> can the department uh, provide us with exact details around the amount of funding that has been secured from the EU? Uh, and what is the current funding shortfall uh, on this? What additional sources of funding are being processed um, or, or, or considered? Uh, <clears throat> and what are the funding requirements for each project project of this uh, VVISDP? And then uh, uh, when do they envisage, envisage uh, uh, going into, into uh, DDM process? Thank you very much, Chair. And um, uh, indeed, we, 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 we are always happy when uh, the department uh, of DSI present to us. Uh, most of the time. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Litsie. Um And uh, DG, we do note the comments um, that you are sending forth, and we are aware that you are in transit, but uh, are following the discussion on, on the virtual platform. Um, Sorry, yeah, of course, we're on the virtual platform, but you're following <laughs> the discussions. Um, and we note the comments of the, the DG in the chat. Uh, Honorable Matlati. Thank you very much, Jefferson. Good morning to yourself, to DG and the department, as well as colleagues and all uh, present on, on, on the platform. Um, Chair, I think... Uh, Colleagues have raised a number of issues that I wanted to speak to, but maybe uh, one would just speak to three matters that the process of DDMs um, is primarily to forge partnerships and collaborations. I just want to find out from the department in the process of implementing this particular plan, what are the major challenges that they are facing in as far as partnerships and collaborations? Because when you speak about municipalities, a municipality is a, is a different sphere of government. And currently, uh, there are a number of challenges in relation to implementation of the DDM. Um, one key issue, of course, uh, 
colleagues have spoken to is about uh, resource mobilization. I just want to find out from the department, what are the current challenges in as far as the resource, mo resource mobilization is concerned, how they intend to deal with these issues and whether if there are challenges indeed, what impact will it have in terms of the implementation of the DDM and in making sure that these projects really see the light of day. When you currently chair in number of municipalities, there is a challenge of who pays for what. And there is also a challenge of B6 Big Brother approach when it comes to DDM, where municipalities are vehemently refusing to, you know, allocate to, 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 to put aside money for such projects because they are of a view that uh, DDM is meant to bring collaboration, but the chunk of the budget must come from national departments, precisely because of the fiscal um, arrangement that we have in municipalities, precisely because of the limited resources that municipalities have. Now, Aligning my question with what Honorable Z has said, as well as Honorable Mananiso, how, how do we intend to make sure that this particular project do really see the light of day with minimal resources that we have? And whether the expansion of resources, is it looking at private sector? How is the private sector coming on board in relation to this particular issue? My last question is about the municipal one plan vis-a-vis uh, -vis the DGM. I'm hoping that in most municipalities, um, the alignment is now uh, done and we're all moving with one program and uh, there is a, a general consensus in terms of what needs to be achieved. But in, in as far as the one plan is concerned as alignment with the DDM, what is the involvement? And I would really wish to, 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 to see uh, details as clearly because I think in a, the presentation is quite high level. We are not getting proper details in terms of you know initiatives, uh, program by program. How much money has been spent? Who are the collaborators? How are they collaborating? The over and above issues of resources. I would really wish if we could maybe like uh, Honorable has indicated in the spreadsheet form to say these uh, this is how much you are spending per project. Um, what will be the intended outcome per project and who are other partners and which other partners do we envisage to bring on board so that we have a, a you know, a broadened uh, program that will look on number of issues. Those will be my three questions. Thank you very much, Shepherson. Thank you very much, um, Honorable Mahlati and to all members for your questions. I will then allow for the departments to respond now. And if there are any other questions that we've left out, we'll, we'll come back um, for them. Thank you. Uh, thanks very much, Chairperson. Let me just check if you can hear me. We can still hear you. Okay, thanks very much. So I think the a number of questions that have been raised are actually in some instances uh, repeated through. So I will attempt to 
also address that. And in some instances, um, some of them cannot be responded to at this point in time, mainly because they might need to go for us to go and get uh, the specific details. Um, the, the, the question about the, the distribution of these initiatives in provinces and in particular in different municipalities. Um, the first point I wanna highlight is that the, the presentation is really about the DDM project. So there are a number of other initiatives that the department is leading uh, throughout the country, but for reasons that we have highlighted earlier on, they didn't quite qualify to be under the DDM. So if we really are reflecting on the actual initiative that the department has uh, countrywide, the, the picture could be slightly different in terms of whether it is still KZN that leads or not. Uh, it might still be slightly the same, but maybe uh, there's gonna be more, more, more flesh in that instance. So, so it's basically what we've done is, although there are many other initiatives, they were not plotted here because they didn't really qualify to fall under the DDM. And maybe with time, uh, that, that, that process would, would actually improve. And the other point around that is, and I think um, Honorable Boshop did uh, touch on it, is we, we have taken a conscious decision that we will not be uh, catapulting any of these initiatives into municipalities. I think for reasons that um, some have actually highlighted including uh, Honorable Matlatsi as well, is you don't want to go into municipalities with initiatives and there's no ownership. Uh, so that is why uh, in the presentation, I think Sepang uh, indicated that we, we make calls for uh, municipalities to respond to a partner. And uh, there, there are others that, uh, for reasons that you have mentioned, when they haven't, when they have expressed the interest, when we follow up, they, they probably just all of a sudden may go quiet. And, and as a result of that, we therefore can't go to them and say, we are going to start something and, until such time that they say, okay, now we are ready, let's work together. Now, this aspect is quite important because it brings an element of ownership. Ownership in the sense that um, if, they have themselves said, this is what we require. What we also do is to go and work with them to analyze the challenges. And that's really where the issue of the point that has been made around looking at a certain level of intelligence around what the issues are, what is required and what are the gaps. And that's where other initiatives can start off being looking at um, building certain skill sets um, until such a point that the municipality may also be ready to absorb some of these initiatives. So, so it's really a, a myriad of various, uh, uh, you know, areas of metrics that we look at to say, uh, is this particular municipality going to be ready for this or not? Uh, otherwise, if we just really go in, uh, then we realize that some of them may end up being white elephants. And I think that's the word that we use in the presentation to say we are avoiding to 
go and start things without buying in a partnership where they can end up being white elephants. So that's really why I think when we engaged with um, uh, DCOG, I think it was a week or two ago, one of the issues that we talked about was how do we then, and it also answers uh, uh, some of the questions that was raised, how do we then uh, uh, move from having raised awareness of our offerings as a department to those municipalities that are already involved, um, from those to really others that, that at this point in time may not be aware. And this is really uh, when, when I had the discussion with my counterpart at DCOC, we agreed that we're gonna have another session where DCOC is gonna help us by mobilizing a host of other districts that are currently not part of this so that we can talk to them and try to sell this initiative to them. So we're hoping that that will also help in expanding this. But these initiatives in the end, they need to be co-owned. That's why there's also a, a slide where we indicate that we are looking beyond this being initiatives where when we move away, they die out. So we're looking at issues of sustainability. Uh, what role do the municipalities play in yeah, making sure that this actually continues to, to grow? Um, so, so, so there, there are, and, and I think the one issue that uh, Honorable Mananiso raised was uh, the issue of how in the context perhaps of the differing levels of uh, capacitation, how we bring on board rural municipalities. Uh, underneath the whole DDM uh, approach, there is a lot of work and initiatives that are being started that will then ultimately build into this, this area. Um, the one thing that Sepang um, uh, um, touched on, which uh, one of the colleagues who is on board here is involved in WUSI, uh, uh, is we are starting now to engage uh, at the pilot level some of the municipalities in, in establishing what we call the um, innovation champions. And we are doing this, we are also engaging in various municipalities. And I think it was last month or a month before where she was in the Northern Cape looking at uh, just analyzing and understanding the profiling of um, a particular district. So what we are doing is that when we have done that, we then start to, um, use these champions to help us identify some of the um, uh, gaps that exist. And, and the, the champions that we identify will primarily be your uh, unemployed uh, graduates who, who would then be able to help us engage with various municipalities and so on and so forth and identify the potential solutions. So this is really happening at those rural municipalities where we are saying we, we want to try and see how perhaps one can bring them into a state of readiness when they could be able to absorb some of the innovation uh, opportunities that we present. Um, so, so I think um, I have in a way also addressed the question that uh, and, and the comments that Honorable Boshoff highlighted on the approach of how these um, various districts uh, get involved. And ultimately, as, as he has correctly, correctly said, 
um, we, we, we can't do anything without uh, them agreeing to partner and, and availing themselves. Um, the uh, uh, Honorable Lydia raised a number of issues and, and some of them are religious comments, which we, we, we acknowledge. Uh, he also um, made a point around the issue of the um, concentration of the initiatives in the KZN, which I have attempted to, to address. Um, and the, the issue of the monitoring of resources. So we have identified our, you know, if I can put it this way, seasoned um, implementing agencies to help us in the implementation of this initiative. So you've seen the CSIR, the uh, Technology Innovation Agency, HSRC, and you know, in some instances, universities such as University of KwaZulu-Natal. So in terms of the allocation of budgets and the monitoring, this is basically being done through them. Uh, so they would then be the ones who uh, deploy the, the funds and monitor the utilization thereof, but also uh, making sure that we build capacities within the municipalities, because the area of capacity is one of the big challenge, uh, the, the challenges that we're dealing with. Um, uh, Honorable Matlatsi as well, in terms of what are the main challenges. Uh, when we were helping on the response to the flooding, for example, we had solutions that we were proposing we could offer to, to the municipalities, ranging from issues of just testing the water quality, um, you know, on-site uh, quality water provision and so on and so forth. And our sense was that while some of those were taken up, some couldn't because of the um, capacities within the municipality. So that's why it is important for us to also look at uh, that, addressing that challenge. And it's a challenge that we can't address alone. Part of that challenge, of course, is uh, how the municipalities themselves actually make sure that they, in their recruitment processes, uh, they, they, they deal with issues of making sure that the people they recruit for various areas of work uh, are actually qualified for that. Um, so that's one of the, of the challenges. Um, and the other, of course, being the general resourcing issues. Um, and, and, you know, I think in two or three slides, we have highlighted that uh, in some instances, the municipalities will say we want to be part, but when we follow up, then they don't uh, come back to us. So those are some of the, uh, of the challenges. We are obviously quite aware that, uh, especially in rural municipalities, um, funding is quite an issue. Uh, so that's why uh, we have indicated that to get this thing going, uh, while we have the buy-in from these municipalities, um, we already have an allocation of about 100 million to, to deal with it. So that, that will uh, hopefully just start to get these things going. Um, and and uh, working with other government departments, and I think I need to really highlight this because it also deals with what we're going to call, what we have called process three is that there is an aspect of the implementation of the decadal plans, which are not DSI plans. These are national plans where we say, when we implement the decadal plan, 
what is going to be the role of other sister departments who's, who are line departments relating to a specific area of work. And this is really where I, I'm also pleased that we have made uh, uh, some significant strides around the issue of budget coordination. And we hope that this will also then help ease uh, the implementation of the district development model uh, insofar as the innovation initiatives are, are concerned. Um, so we, we can, uh, I think the uh, bank will probably be able to give us uh, some input, uh, insight as to what exactly is the amount of funding from the EU, um, what the other funding are, and as, as we probably have indicated, the, some of it is coming from the department directly, uh, but we are hoping that we'll be able to secure others. And he has already highlighted that we started to have some engagement, especially in areas such as the Smart City initiatives, uh, where engagements with other private sectors, such as the bank, uh, the banks have actually started. Uh, and we're hoping that um, obviously those will come in if the initiatives are bankable. Um, so we're hoping that that, that will also uh, help in terms of just making sure that it also brings the sustainability aspect into, into the whole uh, discussion. The, the other thing I think that is important to highlight is that our plan is for this to not only be um, uh, about the capacity development and skills development, but that it also in its own way will begin to um, create real investable economic opportunities. So when we talk about issues of entrepreneurship development, um, here we're talking about empowering young people, women, to have businesses that will actually be making an income on the basis of the offerings that they will be selling. And, and we have started, we've got initiatives that at this point, even though perhaps not already uh, elevated into the DDM, initiatives such as the uh, uh, premiums. Uh, programs where young people and rural people are now beginning to look at opportunities of um, uh, income generation through, um, uh, you know, uh, the issue of uh, cleaning of environment and so on and so forth. So it is about also bringing that element of initiative that will be able to create proper economic activities that, um, will not necessarily be relying on grants going forward. So, so that, that, that I think it's important to, uh, to highlight. Um, can I perhaps, uh, Zepang, just a few questions that you repeat up, especially on the issues of the details. And of course, the details uh, as requested per project, uh, you probably might have seen on one of the slides how many projects they are. Uh, so if we are ready to go into the details of, of per project, we will be guided by yourself. So we'll be happy to do that as long as we know that it really is going to take a lot of time to go onto the details per project. What you have seen on one of the slides, uh, which has got a map, is really the listing of the projects. Uh, and as I said, I will really leave it up to the honorable members to decide how you want us to really address detailing that in terms of how much money, how many people, whatever and however. But, you know, um, we, 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 we will always be available uh, to yourselves to, to provide that detail to the level in which you require. Um, 
So um, uh, Tsepang, uh, uh, any of the things that I've left out, if you can really deal with that, and then I can come back if I, I, I pick up something that I might have forgotten. No, thank you very much, TDG. I think there is about maybe three items or issues I can just quickly comment on. I think the question about COCTA and inclusion of projects on the COCTA one plans. And another question was on long-term investment, which I think goes together perhaps with the EU funding, you know, how much the funding and the budget breakdown. There is something also which was mentioned whether the municipalities could approach the department. I think on those uh, three uh, TDG. So on the COCTA one, whether the DSI projects here are included on the one plans, we have been engaging chair with the TDM meetings in municipalities where we can. And then we then wrote official letters which were signed by the DG to the municipal managers and also to the DDM coordinators in these respective municipalities, giving them projects and confirming these are our commitments. We wrote similar letters to COCTA, submitting a database of projects for mainly for process one and also for process two. Uh, mentioning that these are the projects from the DSI for inclusion in the one plans. Um, they have been included in some of the municipalities, but we've got a feeling in some of the municipalities, uh, the process of inclusion is more in, uh, controlled by them. So we are assessing, we've got another activity we are doing just to study these one plans to see how much in the one plans uh, technology innovation projects have been uh, included, but officially we've handed them over. We are also engaged in bilateral meetings as DSI. We've been requested by individual municipalities uh, to to, to have one-on-one with with, with the DSI. So we are preparing for those and they will be asking our TDG here to support us in those one-on-one engagements. I think it's gonna be around the same issue of inclusion of one plans but also of strengthening bilaterals between DSI and municipalities. What is also coming out on the VVISTP, some of the municipalities are requesting MOUs with DSI. So we are taking that back to our EXCO for decision on how this could be managed. And then on the long-term investments, um, the VVISTP process too is uh, mainly funded uh, by the EU through an instrument, they call it the sector budget support. That instrument allows DSI to co-invest on the policy initiatives they see necessary. So DSI has also has got co-investment on the VVISTP. But what we have learned also is that um, we will, the principle, I think if you recall on the presentation by the DDG on the background, the principle of DSI's approach to DTM is around securing international donor funding to support municipalities with innovation. So VVISTP is a demonstration of that. But into the future, how we can continue looking at our international donor funders and partners to bring additional investments, I think maybe it's something we we are looking at. But indeed, there is a, 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 a decision to say, how can we fund this long term beyond the three years. It is funded for three years, 
but how can we look, we are looking at it and, and we are engaging EXCO to look at this intervention as a long-term intervention, but partnerships for funding become critical. But DSI alone cannot fund innovation in municipalities. So I think we are learning that quite, quite quickly. So uh, in terms of the DG uh, advice and also the decadal plan processes, there is this uh, issue of uh, budget coordination. How can we engage provincial treasurers to ensure there's budget co coordination to support innovation in municipalities? So that's another discussion also at EXCO. Now, on detailed reporting, I agree with the DDG, there's so much, but I think we are learning maybe that the PowerPoint presentation may not be enough. We may look at how we standardize the reporting in a way that brings a level of narrative and detail enough to bring a budget and to you know impact and other things. But at the same time, the impact, uh, reporting on impact, we started with VVISDP just about a year ago when we initiated it. We contracted just early this year. So the impact will come with the project, but we will always take that into account when we package uh, for reporting to the portfolio committee. But, but it, it may just not be enough perhaps to just bring the slides. We can bring in the narratives, but DDDG is making a point. We've got over, I think over 42 projects just on project one and project two. How do we then bring a narrative enough? Uh, it can be a document close to 100 pages, but will be guided. And the other one was what I mentioned earlier to say we may want to zoom into each project, project rather than all projects and bring in implementing entities who are implementing, who can then be able to bring into the discussion the level of detail. We are also willing to bring the budget uh, report uh, in the next engagement of the EU funding for the SPS uh, and uh, what is the co investment by TSI and the, how is the allocation by project. Then on the question around municipalities approaching the department, indeed, uh, Chair, there are municipalities who are approaching the department. Uh, VVISDP has been a bottom-up approach in the sense that uh, th there will be a call for expression of interest and then the municipalities will express interest. When they write to us to express interest, we will ask them to explain how, what is the challenge what is the service delivery challenge do they have? What is the innovation they are looking at? Uh, how will the innovation help the municipality uh, deliver services? And how does this fit into the municipal product strategies like ITPs, et cetera? And if the motivation aligns with the program objective, then we have brought those uh, municipalities on board. But we've got other DSI instruments like the Technology Acquisition and Deployment Fund which is designed around municipalities who can approach the department and, and say, we are applying to the Technology Acquisition Deployment Fund. We need support with this particular technology, et cetera. So VVISDP, bottom up, call for expression of interest. TATF uh, is more around where municipalities could apply uh, to TIA. The instrument TATF is managed at TIA. They can apply, I think there's more three there where they then say, we, we, we've got this technology, you know, we need support with acquisition and, and deployment of uh, that particular technology. But what this means is that we, we, we have a module, training module with UKZN to, to train municipal officials on innovation. But I think the, the module as it's being developed will have to cover educating officials in municipalities 
about what the NSI is, what are the components of the NSI, what are the programs of the NSI in different entities, and what sort of instruments by the DSI exist, how to apply, but the, the, the university as, a, as, a, as an academic institution, they're engaging um, and looking at how to accredit that, that module. They are building it up. In fact, it's not yet available, but it also aligns with what the Decadal Plan seeks to achieve around uh, skills and uh, around training. Uh, thank you very much, TDG. Thanks, Sebang. Are you able to speak to the question of uh, the issues raised last year on the misalignment um, uh, within the 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 EDM? I think uh, Honourable Lizzie asked about that. But while maybe you're getting your thoughts together, um, Honourable Lizzie also asked a question about the issue of when process three, which, which involves the decadal plan will happen. So we, we have now just uh, started, uh, I think, um, the implementation of the decadal plans, even though I think the bulk of the actual implementation will be happening in 23, 24, but we, I think we have in anticipation of what is what's gonna look like, some of our 2022 initiatives are already looking into that. So. I think somewhere between the uh, middle of next year, we'll be able to say, this is what we are already doing, which is aligned to the decadal plan as part of the DDM. Uh, so I think uh, that will probably be uh, one of the uh, feedback that we'll provide when we do, maybe may, maybe not the next update, but probably the update that comes after the, the next one. So I think we'll be ready to indicate that. Um, so, uh, on the issue of misalignment, Sepang, have you got a response for that? Mm, I'm not sure if I, I got it right, TDG, but was this the partnership one? Uh, uh, the partnership question? Uh, Do we no. perhaps want to allow Honorable Lipier to come forth with the question again? Okay, I think or you, did you capture it well, Dr. Moth? I think I probably, I, 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 I just said misalignment issue and maybe the uh, Honorable Lizia can just uh, refresh our minds on that again. I was asking on the municipal one plan yeah. that uh, <clears throat> last year in your presentation, you said there was still a mis there was still misalignment uh, between national departments, DDM, DDM planning process and municipal one plan uh, finalization process. And then I was asking what progress can be reported uh, in this regard and uh, how many municipal one plan one plans have been finalized and are being implemented. Yes. Is that uh, helpful? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, th thank you very much. I, I think what we know is that the first generation of municipal one plans have been uh, concluded. But I know also there's a process, um, I think it's by DPME, uh, that is coming where provincial departments and national departments um, 
we will be discussing the the one plans and 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 the and the and the, and the mechanisms to to strengthen uh, uh, the participation of uh, national departments, uh, provincial departments in 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 the one plans and in the DTM processes. So I know Cocta is driving that. I think we have seen an invitation recently from the DG's office around that effect. But the point we made last 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 time was exactly that. Um, um, the, the, the misalignment will be where some of the municipalities will be behind in terms of their one plans, uh, not even have established the hubs, the technical hubs. Uh, it was just an observation we had with, uh, as DSI. But in the recent uh, reporting, I think most of the municipalities have got their, their, their first generation one plans. Uh, we, we, which could then uh, be evolved from there. But our observation, Chair, is that um, the partnership modalities in DDM has to mature. This is just my own observation because I, 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 I participate in this uh, platform sometimes. So it is one thing to list a project and say DSI, COCTA are partners, but a partnership goes beyond that because it's when the resources are aligned now, you know? So I think uh, the issue of partnership modalities, the issue of uh, implementation arrangements, it is fine to see a one plan as a table which lists a number of initiatives by various departments, but there are implementation mechanisms uh, to make sure that the, 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 the projects are implemented in a partnership way and that the implementation is optimal. So it's just my own observation that there are these things that will slowly maybe mature as the DTM uh, platform evolves, but there are these other small, small um, uh, 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 arrangements that, that, that has to mature with that. It's, it's the same thing with the empowerment of officials who are acting in the DTM um, uh, projects themselves. So you've got the political hub, you've got the technical hub, then you've got the project managers who are within this project, you know, how, how, how could they then uh, work together and be empowered around project decisions? But I, I feel maybe as the TDM platform matures, these things will really uh, uh, fall into, 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 into their rightful uh, spaces. And the other one, Chair, is that we are also engaging Coctor to say um, we, we have to um look at the DDM as a platform for innovation. So you've got the six pillars in the DDM, but how in in the future if, uh, iterations of the DDM, there's a focus on uh, innovation. So we, we're doing this, we've got a survey we've done uh, with uh, TDM uh, uh, stakeholders and we, we, we're submitting the survey to COCTA, but we are slowly trying to say, Indeed, the DDM platform could evolve and become a, a, a full-fledged platform for innovation in, in, in the future. Uh, thank you, Chair. I hope I have answered in a way uh, that, that, that uh, difficult question there. Thanks. And just a very brief one in terms of the uh, review and the updating of the DDM one, uh, one plans. Uh, this meeting is happening this afternoon uh, at 2 uh, o'clock, of course. Uh, being coordinated by the presidency, DPSA, and DCOC.
so 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 that 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 issue i think slowly we're coming closer to each other and that alignment will uh, in due time actually be uh, fully in place thank you uh, very much mr moafe i think um i think coming out of the conversations that we are having uh, this morning colleagues is that maybe on our side as a portfolio committee, we may have to look into a, a joint committee meeting with maybe COCTA, um, the department responsible for digital technologies and communication, uh, maybe some CETAs that are relevant to, to, um, to the skills provision that uh, has been identified um, in the conversations that we've been having and in, in, and in the work that the department has been doing around bringing to life the district development model. And um, still on that matter, I think another conversation that we, we need to have. So next week, um, colleagues, you, you would know that we've had to reshuffle the program in order to uh, make way for the NASFAS working session that we need to have that we're supposed to have today. So colleagues will see, members will see that the committee program has changed just a little bit. And um, coming out of our engagements during the midterm review, um, where you know there was an agreement and we resolved that we need to look into the skills master plan, um, coming out of this conversation is the fact that we perhaps must continue a conversation around whether or not the skills master plan um, that's being put together by the by DHIT incorporates some of the skills I, identified by colleagues that need to strengthen economic growth um, in, in, in the support of the district development model or bringing to life the district development model, right? So, and, and I mean, also key to that is, and Mr. Moth, I don't know if you know, if you have in, any information in relation to this, so whether or not, for example, in 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 the in D heads putting together of the skills master plan, they have reached out to yourselves as DSI, um, and and colleagues have collaboratively put their minds together on how on the skills needed to bring um, the DDM to life, right? And whether or not there are conversations being had by between provinces and municipalities on how to bring in. Uh, TVET uh, colleges, CET colleges, and even universities in supporting the DDM um, <clears throat> through the production of, you know, graduates qualified in the, ident in, in the skills that have been identified to be crucial in bringing to life the, the DDM. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, so those are some of the questions that, that I mean, Mr. Moffat, if you can answer some of them now. It's great, but I think it, these are it's an ongoing conversation that we need to have with um, with DHIT. And uh, it's moments like these where you see the synergies between uh, the work that DHIT does and, and, and the work that, um, that, that, that the DSI does. So I don't know, Mr. Moff, if you'd like to respond to, you know, that the issues around the skills. Um, if not, though, we can we we will follow up that conversation with DHIT next week. Yeah. So thanks very much, Honorable uh, Chairperson. I think on the issue of the development of the skills uh, plan, we we are working very closely with DHIT. Uh, fortunately, 
And uh, we have also looked at a whole range of areas that uh, will enable the implementation of the decadal plan and say, you know, what sort of skill set. So um, some of them really focusing on what we can do with, uh, for example, um, the, the Tibet colleges. Uh, we have, you know, programs that we already identified the skills required, for example, in the just transition, uh, the, you know, uptake of uh, the fuel cells and so on and so forth. So that, that work is being done. Um, we have participated uh, uh, very well in that process. So uh, our view is that it will really, when the plan is finally released, it would have covered um, the gaps that we have identified. Okay, thank you so much, um, Mr. Mwafe. Thank you so much, uh, Sepang. Sepang, can I get your surname, please? It's, uh, I don't know if it's still there. Musia. <laughs> Musia. Musia, okay. Yes. Thank you so much, Mr. Musia, um, for, for your contributions to the discussion that we've had this morning. I think it has been very fruitful. And I think also, colleagues, we, we must also acknowledge the fact that there is an attempt to try and um, strengthen, you know, uh, economic growth and employment opportunities within districts in order to ensure that, you know, we don't have this concentration, um, over-concentration of citizens in what you would call economic hubs, but we decentralize uh, economic opportunities. We we decentralize economic activity, and I think um, that's that's really key. Uh, you know of what is coming out of the the work that is being done by the department in strengthening um, or bringing to life uh, um, the district development model. So thank you so much, colleagues. There are key, a number of recommendations that have been noted of you know, follow-up conversations that need to be had, work that the department needs to be doing. And I think, Sabang, you really captured, um, Mr. Musia, you really captured a lot of, of that in, in your response. Um, and, I, and, and, and for me, that makes up a great sense of what then becomes our, our way forward as the department, but as well as the portfolio committee in strengthening that the, the work that the department is doing um, in, 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 in the implementation of the district development model. So we want to really thank you colleagues for the time that you've given us this morning. I think our session with you has come to an end. Um, we are about to uh, adopt minutes. I don't think uh, you would want to stay for that. So you can, you can leave um, and, and thank you so much. Thank you chairperson and all honorable members. We appreciate being given the opportunity. Okay, um, honorable members, we have two sets of minutes to adopt this morning. Um, I just want to open them on my side. Okay, there are minutes on the, from the 15th of June and the 31st of August. 15th of June, we had a very short meeting. It was solely to uh, adopt some reports and some minutes, which we did. Um, so, uh, at the top of those minutes, it would indicate who was in the meeting, um, and then they would end with, uh, 2.2.3, a draft report on the consideration of the Department of Higher Education and Trainings, 
2021 second and third quarter um, performance reports. And then uh, the last page would give us our discussions or the second last page would give us our discussions, our resolutions. Um, and then, yeah, then the last page would, would have um, my signature. So those are the minutes on the 15th, the minutes on the sixth, on the 31st, sorry, of August, which was this Wednesday, where we interacted with the Department of Higher Education and Training on the evaluation of university mergers. Really an interesting conversation there, which we all agreed we wish we could have had um, at, a, at an earlier stage of the work that we have been doing. Um, colleagues would see the, the minutes on that, on that first page. They continue <clears throat> to page two, which ends with a summary of the presentation by Ms. Dambalo. And um, the, the third page then speaks to the promotion of equity of access and reaches past inequalities by ensuring that staff and student profile in higher education progressively reflects the demographic realities of South African society. Um, and the minutes ends on page five with the consideration of minutes, which is point number five of this particular document. I think on my side, colleagues, um, the only thing I would like to add to these minutes is perhaps a clear, it should come out that very clearly, I mean, I think point bullet point number one, you, you, you can say it sort of says that, but I think it must come out more clearly that, um, in terms of merged institutions, there were a number of requests from members for them to look into um, various segments of analyses, uh, you know, pattern observation. So Honorable Mananiso spoke to institutional culture. Have we observed institutional culture in the different institutions post the mergers? Honorable uh, Matlatsi spoke to, um, to, 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 to a, a, an analysis of the labor relations and just generally, you know, how labor related matters have been, have been, have unfolded in different institutions that have been merged. So I think bullet point number one makes it look like we're trying to compare non-merged and merged, but I think we want to try and make a comparison of merged on as well as a separate uh, 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 um, matter uh, to understand how the different institutions that were merged did overcome certain things. So I think um, that needs to come a bit, come out a bit stronger, and that's the input from my side. I'd like to, at this point, check if there are members who would also like to make amendments to the minutes, and then call for um, members to adopt and second the minutes. I didn't even check if we if we meet quorum. Um, Janelle, do we meet quorum? Yes, chair, we do. Okay. All right, thank you so much. Um, can I check if there are members who'd like to make amendments? Okay, I don't see any hands. Can I note members who'd like to adopt the minutes? Okay, I see Honorable Litsie, Honorable Litsie, and then Honorable Mashats. Honorable Litsie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, the name has not changed. Still, uh, I move for the adoption of uh, both sets of minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Litsie. Honorable Mashati. 
Thank you very much, Chair. I second the adoption of both sets of minutes. Thank you. So, uh, honorable members, um, these minutes of the 15th of June and the 31st of August, 2022, have been adopted by Honorable Litsia, and the adoption of the minutes has been seconded by Honorable Mashati. Um, thank you so much. Colleagues, there have been some changes made to the committee program, as, as, as mentioned earlier on, to accommodate uh, the, the fact that members were not available. Um, there will be a, a newly proposed uh, program. And I'd like to stress that on the... Sorry, I'm just trying to find the latest. <clears throat> Anela, when are we supposed to do? Okay, yeah, sorry. I think I found it. On, on the... Fourteenth of September, we are meant to meet with the University of Pretoria to receive a, an update on their transformation journey. Colleagues would remember that at some point we had wanted to have a joint meeting with the University of Pretoria and Stellenbosch, um, but due to logistics and so forth, we we took Stellenbosch earlier on in the year and we went there physically. We would have also loved to go to UP, but um, they are remits of which we work with them that are instructed to us. And so you, we are calling UP to us. And um, the meeting will take place um, in Mark's building. And really all members will be expected to be physically present in that meeting. Um, the university and its um, management, its student representatives, its workers um, will be present in that meeting. And part of what we will seek to understand in that meeting is a follow-up on, so colleagues would have noted that we've had um, conversation in writing around the recent student protests at the institution. And there was a response that came back to us. And um, part of what this, this meeting will also look into, uh, you know, some of the concerns that may have come out of the recent student protests. So please members, you are expected to to be at that meeting physically, as well as the on-site briefing on Friday the 16th. Um, yeah, I think those are the physical meetings. I hope I'm not leaving anything out. Okay, there'll also then be the NASFAS uh, briefing that has been moved to Friday the 23rd, where you'll also ex be expected to be there physically. Please diarize these dates. Um, I don't want to say apologies will not be accepted, but um, that's what I'm tempted to say, where you will be expected to attend uh, these engagements physically in Cape Town. Um, I think with that being said, honorable members, thank you so much for your time. Um, honorable Itzia, I see your hand is up, but I'm not sure if that's a legacy hand or an old hand, or oh, sorry, a new hand. Uh, it was legacy, but uh, please repeat the date of the UP visit so that we derive correctly. Thanks. Okay, we will also send the updated um, program, but uh, for now, the UP, um, the University of Pretoria is coming to Parliament on the 14th of September, which is a Wednesday. We will meet in Mark's building. On the Friday, we will go to the Centre for High Performance Computing 
in Cape Town. That's part of our science and innovation work. As agreed, we said we would try our best, particularly in Cape Town, to have as many on-site meetings as possible because we are here, we're in Cape Town. Um, and so it should be easier to do so. It doesn't need too much logistical planning. So um, that's the on-site briefing for uh, the Center for High Performance Computing, which is on Friday the 16th. And then on Friday the 23rd, we are going to NASFAS for a working session. Remember, colleagues, they, they would have asked us to, they would have, from coming out of the many questions that we ask, <laughs> the CEO would have re requested that, uh, can you please come so that we can take you through some of the issues that you are concerned about. So, but then uh, of course, uh, an updated um, uh, uh, program will be sent to, to all members. Okay, thank you so much, honorable members. Uh, have a lovely Friday and uh, keep safe. We'll see each other next week. Thank you, Chair. Have a wonderful afternoon yourself. Bye. Thank you, thank you. Recording stopped.